Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Carvery with Alex Store. This is the podcast where we believe that success, happiness, innovation, collaboration, creativity, teamwork, all of the things you desire at work and in your life, we believe it's your natural state once you carve away the drama in your mind, which then comes out in your life. And so every single episode, we try to get thinking about ways that we could reduce some of this drama and have eventually more clarity in our lives. And then as we are clear, we add more value and really get to work more effortlessly every single day with our colleagues and with our customers and those we interact with. And so today is another chance to do that. And so I'm so happy you guys are tuning in for another episode. We just have such a community growing. I'm having so much fun with the podcast. I'm just getting off another four cities in five days. I was able to have a session of build on content with a client I'd worked with last year on Monday and then got to travel into Kansas City to work with a second round with another client. They've added more leaders working on reality-based leadership, our core leadership training we do in organizations. And then I finished the week doing a certification with a new client that was really fun. We grabbed a group of four of their core leaders and trainers, and they're going to start rolling out the content. And so it was a big mix of a week where I got to um, teach different programs. And I also got to certify some new trainers that are going to be rolling out our stuff within their organizations, which is always one of the most exciting times for me. And so heart is big and full from last week. Had a lot of time on the road and a lot of incredible conversations over the last couple weeks. And one of the conversations has led to this podcast. And I think you guys are going to like this one, but I'm going to throw out some pre-work for this one here because what this is, is me thinking through an idea I've been having that came out in a conversation I had with a leader. She actually has worked a long time in healthcare, but is now a dean at a school. And we had a fabulous like two-hour conversation at this workshop we were at about what I am passionate about with the in terms of drama and really having people move from low self to high self and show up to at work in their highest level of consciousness and beyond drama and how that goes in with some of her work she's done in healthcare and what she's doing with some of her her new dreams and aspirations in her career. And so that's what I want to go into today. And what we got into is this um, conversation around just like emergencies because what I was thinking about is what are some agreed upon, like no matter what processes in her career that she saw teams, they just quickly aligned around. Like when did something happen that everyone just kind of put their stories aside and their judgments and really their preferences, they have just put them all aside to agree to like a higher process that's just known to be like the best process for this situation and that is just followed by everyone. So what I mean is like, it seems as if a lot of times we're all kind of navigating with our own kind of view of the world or our own processes that we believe lead to happiness and results. And what we've seen in our work is that as you peel some of these back, some of these leadership philosophies or some of these ways in which we're teaching people to be in a state of accountability, a high state of accountability, 
it actually isn't aligned with some of the brain science and a lot of the techniques won't actually lead to people's happiness or a facilitation with a clear relationship with reality, which will then lead to people making different behavior changes and choices in moments. And so what we're looking at is what are like agreed upon processes that like in an emergency situation, all of a sudden every professional in that situation or citizen aligns to that and says, this is the way that we have to move forward. And the one we got talking about was in her career, she had been um, a nurse or she had been on a hospital you know, floor. And, and whenever a patient coded, all of a sudden there was this process, this decision-making tree that people would follow where there was like a decision maker. And then when they said, let's do this, everyone followed that. And it was quick. It was efficient. There was no time because we're worried about saving the patient to question it really and to get into judgment and be like, that's a bad idea. And and what do you mean? You really want to do that? There's not all of this resistance to it because it's an emergency situation. And so just throwing it out there, because I know this is an extreme case, someone's life is on the line. That's why it seems people align to this process. And I asked her more questions around that. I'm like, why do you think when that situation happens, it's just agreed upon that everyone follows that perfectly? And she's like, well, we're we're trained on it. And all the evidence says this. And we really practice it. And we're constantly in a state of readiness for it. And everyone knows that if we don't follow this, like a patient's life is on the line. And so it's important that we follow a very firm process. And as she really talked to me through this, it just had my eyes lit up and my mind opening because we think a lot about drama in our teams, in a meeting, in a group setting, in a workplace. And we have found that drama, when we defined it, was any disruptive thought pattern or behavior that takes away from results and what we're trying to do in an organization. And we've really started to quantify the competencies and where we see it show up the most. And in doing that, we've been able to bring in some of the brain science at Reality-Based Leadership and look at some of the ways in which you can, through self-reflection or good questions or tools, leadership tools, be able to quantify and move quickly into a good mental process to follow those competencies and reduce the drama around it, to reduce those ways in which of thinkings or those destructive thought patterns that lead to drama in those quantifiable competencies. And so when we think about where we're going with our research on drama, how we're quantifying it, and how we're starting to know the good mental processes to reduce the drama around those competencies, I'm starting to see in my work, and as I dive deeper into what we're doing, that there are some proven mental processes, like when you're at a meeting, if you're stressed and you ask yourself a question, through, which is self-reflection, it can move you from that stress, which is one of our competencies, into clarity, into a better part of your brain to then add input into that meeting that is adding clarity, not chaos. And I'm seeing this connection where not that anything's agreed upon that it's like best practice yet, or it's like healthier, safer yet to go through good mental processes and then add input, 
But I got to thinking, what if we took this thought experiment of how this this group of like, say it's three to five nurses, you know, in this code situation, they are following this process and there's a decision maker and they go through this checklist that's a good proven process that reduces the amount of errors that would happen in this situation, which could lead to someone um, not surviving. What if we treated a meeting as if it was a living thing? Like a meeting, the energy of the meeting was we wanted to keep this alive because it's what keeps our businesses alive. A bunch of these little meetings keep our organizations alive and healthy. And so what if groups in these meetings would follow that same framework or generalized principle that when it's an emergency that we could lose the life of this meeting, we would all agree to, as we walk in this door, following a process that would ensure that we do the best we can to keep that alive. And I hope you guys see where I'm going with that because taking that thought experiment and kind of having some fun here and treating like a meeting or an interaction uh, like that, wouldn't we then think that there is a chance to agree upon some good mental processes that we follow and adhere to that would be our checklist to ensure that we have good dialogue, we move it forward, we talk about how we could in that meeting instead of why we can't. If we followed the same framework and we all aligned around that, couldn't the same thing be said for our meetings to keep them alive? And with this being said, as she talked about what happens in those situations, it's truly amazing how fast everyone agrees to the process and, and works together and goes beyond ego. And it's really all about, you know, the patient, the person they're trying to save in that moment as it should be. But what if we treated the meaning as if it's where all of our focus should be keeping that alive in the moment with respect to where we're trying to go? And so couldn't we have that same discipline in our interactions that we have in that moment? And I just kept thinking about this and we kind of had just a fun chat around this because with us quantifying drama, this mental framework we're trying to establish, which is reality-based leadership in a way, is what if you could follow these proven mental processes at all times to keep us in a constant state of self-reflection, like a mantra, to ensure that we're bringing our highest self to the meeting and adding the most clear input and most helpful input to move things forward. That framework, if followed by everyone, would be something, as long as we know it reduces our stress and it adds clarity, most would agree that we want more clarity in meetings than chaos. We want more focus on how we could instead of why we can't. And so with that goal in mind, I believe most would agree if we could show that this does do that, that we would align to that and everyone around that table in that meeting or in that huddle would follow that. With that being said, it would be a healthy way for us to come together and follow these good mental processes. And so this got me thinking even more because once we'd have a group that agreed to these processes, this way of which of thinking through self-reflection and some of our tools, then we could have shared accountability for our group members following that. Because if you divert from the best practice, there's some consequences there. And someone in the extreme case 
that we're talking about here with a patient, it would be that we didn't follow best practice and that could have been the reason that we didn't save that person's life. Well, if we don't follow best practice good mental processes in the meeting, that could be the reason why the meaning energy went into why we can't and why we shouldn't have to. And so then what we could have is in a really healthy group, we could have people as a part of feedback call out if someone says something that was adding more chaos or it was really unhelpful. Someone could step up and be courageous and say, you know, hey, I wasn't... Um, clear on that. I don't know if that was as helpful as you wanted it to be. Is there a different way you'd like to say that? I see that there could be some places for feedback as long as we were neutral and professional, as we all try and be, to really have shared accountability for the type of dialogue that gets put out there in a meeting. And so you'd always, not that people are constantly judging you, but you would have these checks and balances to say, you know, that sounds like that was more of a story. You didn't get concise on that. Could you have reflected before for a few seconds before you spoke up in that meeting? Uh, it didn't seem like you were completely clear. There would be ways that we could challenge each other to follow these processes. It'd be a shared accountability model. Not that you're seeing someone and saying, you're not following this. It's a nice neutral way to hold us all to the standard. And everyone would be willing to be there because we agree that following this process would lead to less drama and more clarity in the meeting. The second part with this is as we get clear through two things, questions for self-reflection that we'd always be asking ourselves as we're sitting quietly listening is you would start to, and I'll talk about this towards the end of the podcast, notice our triggers and we notice, you know, we're about to speak, we're excited about something, but we want to make sure we're clear. So we take one more minute to pause and self-reflect. As we do a lot of these questions for self-reflection internally, and all the group members will be doing it, the next phase is to start to notice when there is a lack of clarity or we need to move it from just in our minds to getting something clear on paper so the whole group can see what you're thinking. And this is where at Reality Based Leadership, we have our ego bypass tools that are in our newest book, No Ego, we have tools for meetings that we encourage leaders to facilitate where let's say a change isn't completely clear on what the roles are or in fact there's people that are pretty resistant to the change even though it's already been decided. We would encourage people, for example, to get into then a negative brainstorming tool, which is where someone from the group notices that there's ambiguity, that there's a lack of clarity, that there's even energy going into why we shouldn't have to or why this is a bad change or all their concerns. We want to listen to those concerns. We would have someone stand up and start writing on a piece of paper all the issues that have been identified. And then instead of just complaining about the issues, what we have the group do together is say, now that we've got them stationary, they're not just in our minds or on paper, let's cross out issues and put risks. And now let's look at the probability that each one of these risks, if it's going to happen, and let's ask the group if they're as uncomfortable with that issue as you are to check in to see if it's a lack of skill set of yours or it's a lack of knowledge or there's data points you don't have. Let's make sure the group doesn't have that already solved. That's probability that it will happen. And then impact, let's ensure that your focus is on what the impact would have on the business or our customers, not what the impact would be on your own preference or your comfort zone. And this helps people visually ensure that their ego hasn't grabbed them and got them focused on how I can stay comfortable instead of how we can 
make sure this meeting, we're using our energy to ensure this decision is least disruptive to our people we try and serve in our business. And I give that example because the next phase after everyone's following these good mental processes mentally is that we have tools that are good mental processes visually that when the group can't find clarity or you can't find it yourself, you can start finding clarity on our tools and I'll post a video about the negative brainstorm to give you more context because I have an example of that in the description of this podcast. That would be the second way in these meetings that we would keep the meeting alive. It's like our protocol, we follow everyone and we hold each other to good questions for self-reflection that are mental processes and we'd have like a template that everybody's following as like a mantra. It becomes more of like a meditation in the meeting. And then with anyone in the group, whether it's a leader or someone that, you know, would be a lower level leader or individual contributor, if they're in that meeting, they can notice when there's a lack of clarity. And then it would be their initiative to say, wait a minute, I caught us here, guys. And let's get into a negative brainstorm. Or let's get into another tool we have is thinking inside the box. And these are all visual tools that get us all thinking out beyond our ego that wants to keep things unclear and ambiguous. It gets it clear on paper. And what that would do is we'd actually encourage people to say, nice catch. We're moving on to part two of this mental process to keep this meeting alive. And we're going to go on to a ego bypass tool. And the reason I say that is what we found is as we teach this or even internally when we try and do this, it's like once we try and get clear with the tool, people don't want to like do that every once in a while. And I find it so refreshing to actually get it written down because if we don't write it down and start working a tool, it just gets lost in translation. We're like, oh, who's got that? And whose responsibility is that? Oh, we didn't really nail it down. Do we really have to do it? And so that actually makes sure we're conscious and intentional to move it forward. And that is what would be exciting about this process is we just kind of have part one and we have a series of like seven questions, which I'm going to go through that could help with ditching the drama through the use of good mental processes personally. And then we could go to level two. If the group's unclear, we could move into these ego bypass team tools that are good mental processes visually. And it would be just like the same situation as like an emergency, like the, the code situation. Or I was even doing some research to think like what are, you know, a fire, when a fire happens at a company, everyone just goes straight to the protocol and follows like the emergency evacuation plan. Or, you know, I was just, I'm going to do some more research myself, you guys, on like what are proven like emergency situations that all a bunch of humans that have their own preferences and they have their own ways of doing things all aligned to this process. If we can quickly align to that, then surely we could find a way to do this with good mental processes, knowing our research shows that it leads to less drama in your life and more clarity. And that all leads to more happiness and results. If we can agree we want happiness and results at work, which every human being I talk to wants, and we see time and time again, as we have more quantitative data that our research shows that, we're getting there. And for me, thinking this out loud to you guys, this is exciting news. I feel like we're onto something. And so hopefully you're following along to here because we could have this template that is a agreed upon good mental process for individually and teams to keep the meeting alive and keep it professional and keep it clear and keep it low drama. 
And now I wanna go into some of those questions I'm talking about. Now, the reason self-reflection is so important is it is the foundation of accountability. And as you guys know who've been listening, your level of personal accountability is the biggest predictor of success and happiness, mainly happiness. And this is um, shown in our research when we studied happy high performers and unhappy high performers. And the only difference between those two was the level of personal accountability they took for their circumstances. Also, in Sean Aker's work at Harvard, he found the same correlation that it wasn't about your circumstances. It was more correlated to the amount of accountability you took for your circumstances that leads to your happiness and impact in the world. Why is this important for what we're talking about today? The biggest source of drama is ego, which is really in our minds, it's the judger of all things, it's the creator of all stories. It is that constant narrator in our head, which if you've ever been in one of those meetings and it's just kind of uncomfortable and you know, you're being quiet, but you notice that you're like, oh, should I say that? And, and oh, there's something going on over there. And that was kind of, you know, passive aggressive. And I don't know if what they want me to talk here. If you hear this narrator in your head, that thing that's constantly talking in that meeting is your ego. And once you understand that your ego is not your amigo because it's always judging and adding meaning and adding motive, once you realize that the way out of this judger of all things, this creator of all stories, is through self-reflection, where you can silence that a bit by whenever it causes you stress, like, oh, I shouldn't speak up because they're going to get mad and this is not going to go well. And if you just ask, what do I know for sure? A question for self-reflection, that ego silences a bit and you get down to the facts, reality, and you drop into accountability. It's like, what do I know for sure? My accountability to the truth is I have an idea. All of my reflection shows it will be helpful and add clarity. What should I do next to add value? It would be to speak up and give the group the idea. And that moves us from all of this ego, suffering, low self, judgment, frustration that leads us to inaction and moves us into high self, clarity, and then we add value. And so these questions are a great way to start following good mental processes to then be able to add better input if we were in this situation where we're trying to keep a meeting alive. And so the questions that I'm thinking about for you guys to start thinking about, I'd encourage you to pick one for your next interactions with individuals or with teams, is the first one is start to notice, I've already kind of gone there, is when you're uncomfortable in a meeting, and I had this happen uh, recently as we were talking through a project that we were a little bit behind on, and I just started to feel where I was kind of uncomfortable in the meeting, and I'm just saying silent listening. And as I got more uncomfortable, I noticed there was a narrator in my head, and it's like, gosh, what did I forget to do here? And are they mad at me because I forgot to follow up on this email? And and I started to, as I listened to this narrator, and it started to stress me out, because I'm like, what am I not doing? Oh my gosh, you're, uh, you know, behind on this. I was not listening that well. I was missing things because I couldn't focus. And so as I started to notice this discomfort, it was just an awareness, which all it was was my ego chattering and judging and really kind of self-loathing. I just asked myself a question. What story am I believing right now that's causing me discomfort? And the story I was believing, as I got clear just in a moment, it took a second, was I am the one that's so behind in this. We're too behind to save this. I am not going to have this done in time. And once I got clear with what the story was, I, I asked the next question for self-reflection to move beyond my ego from low self to high self, 
which is where all of my creativity and ability to solve complex problems is at. As I got to high self, I just asked another question to get there. What do I know for sure? And all I know for sure is we were in a meeting. We had three people around us talking about project this. Let's call it project this. That's like all I knew for sure. And my part in this project was to deliver X. Now, once I got down to the facts, it was so just clear about what I should do to add value in that meeting. It was like, figure out what I need to present X is, what's my script for that, and stay in my lane. And from there, as I move from low self ego into high self through self-reflection, a good mental process, around that table, all of a sudden, I became a very beneficial team member, at least in my eyes. And I was able to get clear on what I needed to take away and what I had for an accountability to move that project forward. And it really calmed me down internally and helped me add value to the meeting. And that was nothing that had to change in the meeting. It was just me using a good mental process to eliminate emotional waste or drama. I carved away my own drama and came up and showed up better in the meeting. And I couldn't help but think if that was required from all of us, which it is, we try to at our company, then we're all doing that. It's always going to add value to the overall dialogue in the meeting. And so this would have been the first process to follow, which is whenever you're in discomfort and fearful, anxious, you have anxiety, know that that's your story that you're making up. It's not the facts. So get back to the facts. What do you know for sure? And then from there, what's the next thing you can do to add value? That add value could be stay silent and listen more intently, or it could be ask a question for clarity. And that usually comes to you naturally once you get clear. And so that was the first question. The next one that came to mind, it was kind of all in this meeting, was given this is a new project and it was a a shift in my priorities, we got to check in on commitment levels because many people around a table were all in to what the organization's trying to do as long as. And we have a list of a thousand conditions on our buy-in. So we're like, I'm all in as long as this priority doesn't take priority over my other things, or as long as people pull their weight with this project, or as long as no one else turns anything in late, or as long as everything's clear by the end of this meeting. And so I had to check in, and a great thing to do is, I'm here present in this meeting. Am I all in to do whatever it takes to help us move this forward, given I'm around the table? And that question's so powerful, because if you check in with that, internally, question for self-reflection, you might be able to identify many of the conditions you have on your buy-in, which is some of the ones I said. And once we have conditions on our buy-in, it really starts to take away how able we are to stay in as that project plays out. Because if we have conditions on our buy-in, the moment someone turns something in late, I'm like, oh, that was one of my conditions. Now my resilience is down. People aren't as focused as I am. And so I always check in with this next question. Am I all in without conditions for this project? And I look at some of my conditions and I try and remove those from the start. And this can be an ongoing reflection before, during, or after the meeting. And because every reality you're in, there's going to be varying levels of accountability on your team. There's going to be people that turn things in late. There's going to be priorities that change. Given that those things will happen, can we stay the course? Then uh, the next question, which I have been using as my mantra for the last six months to try and be as valuable as I can in conversations or in meetings. This question is right here. 
is what I'm about to say gonna add clarity or chaos? And so some of you guys know me, I get really excited when I have an idea and I want to just jump in and just say it in the meeting. And sometimes the timing's off or sometimes I need to work on my awareness of is this meeting about that or do we need to stay to just like execution, not dreaming? And so when you are about to speak up, if every time you just take one second to pause and say, is what I'm about to add going to add clarity or chaos, it can really open up a lot of avenues for you to be more happy and successful and keep that meeting on track and keep adding value to that meeting. Because so many people are a little nervous about where things are going and they want to throw out a comment that's going to derail the meeting or slow it down because they're fearful. And that question can help us ensure that we are actually adding helpful things and we're adding clarity that would help us move it forward, not stop the action. And adding on to that is if I'm going to add clarity in my mind, can I get it even more concise and keep it brief so it is received in a way that is easy to digest? Because sometimes I think I'm going to add clarity, but I talk through what I'm about to say too much and it actually adds chaos because people didn't know what the juicy part was. Now, the next question is one of my favorites, which is what is my part in the mess? In our accountability model, one of the key factors of accountability, the four factors, is ownership. And if we're in a high state of accountability, ownership's never really ever painful. If you're operating in a mindset of a high level of accountability, ownership's usually a nice conversation. You can go, you know, here's what I did that helped the project. Here's what I did that hindered. And here's just my part in it and what I've done to contribute. It's just a nice, neutral conversation. And so when you get really clear with that and you're easily able to converse about your part in it, my favorite question is, what's my part in the mess? Because so many teams, when they fall short of results, they're really talking about who didn't follow up and marketing should have done this and this department didn't do this and these priorities were unclear and this wasn't communicated well. And in the end, you can interrupt all of that blaming and all of that low self behavior and just simply reflect on one question. Given all of that, what is still my part in the mess? And if you get still and entertain that question, you can always find at least one thing you could have done given the mess to add value. One thing you could have done to add clarity. One thing you could have done to help. And with that foundation, when you think about sitting in a meeting and we're following the same theory we've been talking about in this podcast is you could look at this meeting and be like, dang, we are off track here. In fact, we're off the agenda. People aren't even talking about what we're trying to create and how to get there. It's only about past issues or people are going into some pretty negative areas and they're talking about why we shouldn't have to. They're even questioning the decision. And this meeting was to talk about how to make the decision work. And so you can notice how off track it is. And then you can reflect and get into high self and say, what's my part in this mess? Because you can be in your ego story saying everyone's off track and no one is here to actually move it forward and you're judging, judging, judging. But as you guys know, when you're judging, you're not helping and no longer adding value. So you are contributing to the mess as much as those who are talking a lot contributing to the mess. How are you contributing? If you open your mind and open your heart, and entertain that question, you have disengaged and you're staying silent. You have disengaged and chose not to find a place to re-engage. You have disengaged and you're judging others instead of helping. So you are in fact a part of the experiment contributing to the mess. 
And so if you find yourself disengaged and blaming others for why the meeting's gotten off track, that question, that mental process helps to find some clarity and get us back engaged. And so I love that question because that moves you from chaos and seeing there's nothing you can do to have impact into finding my part. And if you can identify your part in the mess, which is I've decided to stay silent and not speak up with a piece of clarity or a piece of data that could help us or a helpful comment to get us back on track, you now are part of the the issue. And you can move from that lack of clarity into courage, into adding value by just self-reflecting and then thinking of one thing you could do to help given you found your part. Because if you find your part in the mess, you then can have responsibility, which is the ability to respond differently. And if you can identify your part, then you can move forward differently. And that's the ultimate freedom to kind of plug and play in all these situations and keep the meeting alive. Another big question that I have really went all in on, and this has been fun discovery for me, is what is my role in this situation? If you want to understand the three roles, you basically can be every single day. There's only three. And the first role you could be is a decision maker. And I've really played around with this over the last probably six months. And it's my favorite model I've been teaching on. And it's our organizational alignment model. It's one of our competencies of drama. But it's, am I the decision maker? So I'm sitting at a table. And if I'm looking at the conversation and I'm reflecting is, what's my role here? The first role I could be is, am I the decision maker? Now, the new reality is that most decisions are being made outside our four walls, and so very, very few of us are decision makers. Because decisions are actually being made if we're running our business well and we're thinking about our business well, it's made by our customers. Decisions are made by our clients, by our competition, by costs out there, by trends in the market, by the government, by the evidence, by new technology. So that's who we should be listening to as decision makers. So all of us are reacting to that. But I'm usually not the decision maker. It's like 1% of your company. It's like the CEO who basically should be responding to the market as well. But someone's got to say yes or no on overall strategy. So usually I, if I'm asking, am I the decision maker in this meeting? It's a sign I'm not the decision maker. So I'm reflecting. I'm like, what is my role? Am I a consultant? Now, this is big news. If you're asked to come to a meeting and you're playing the role of a consultant, the second of three roles you could be, then you don't tell everybody what we have to do. You lay out some great options about what we could do to move the work forward. And you put the associated risks with each option and expertise that we could consider to mitigate the risk. If you're ever, as a consultant, saying the only way to do this is, and I prefer to do it this way, and this is what we should do, You're out of your role as a consultant and now you're adding some chaos to the meeting. And so you wanna get clear on as a consultant, am I doing it cleanly? And if you're not the consultant and you're investigating through self-reflection, what is my role at this meeting? You might be in this third role, which is process of elimination. If you're not the first two, you're this one, which is a person to be informed of where the train is going. And most people get all up in arms about just being informed. They're like, well, I should be consulted and my opinion should count more. And what we found over and over in today's marketplace is that being consulted on every decision is actually a very slow way to move forward. And many of us don't have all of the um, touch points 
to have enough expertise to be in that spot. And so as we stop the action to be consulted more, we do a lot of chaos instead of adding value by slowing it down and not using our expertise to make it work. And so what I've found is I've really been experimenting even at our own organization is how often it's so peaceful to be just a good person to be informed of a new decision. And I use all of my time and energy and skill set to say yes, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or really, you know, a bad decision. And then if that's the case, I speak up and say, have you thought about this? But if not, I say yes to the goal and I talk about the risks we're going to have to mitigate. And that is where so much value is added when it comes to that. But it comes from constantly reflecting on what's my role. And it's those three roles. Another thing to add in there is I always ask, if I'm not clear, I'm like, what is my role here? I'll even ask it in a meeting. Like, am I here to be to make a decision? I'm assuming not. And so I don't even ask that. Usually I'm like, am I the consultant here? And if that's the case, I'm going to need to have a bit more time to pull a consult and get the information and the options out there for you. And if I'm not the consultant, I pretty much know that I'm like here to be informed and help mitigate the risk of this. Which gets into another question I'm always considering, I don't usually ask, is like, is this pre-decision or post-decision for this meeting? Like, has this already been decided? And a lot of people talk a lot about a decision that's already been made, and then they try and get consensus, and people try and shut down a decision that's already moving forward. And so it gets a little bit awkward with this. It kills a meeting if people then start saying, why are we doing this and should we even have to? When the meeting was about making it move forward in a way that helps us capitalize on it. And so I always get clear, are we pre-decision or post-decision? Most times I'm involved is, for the most part, post-decision because we're responding to a new opportunity in the market. Going along with that, how do you know then you're adding value to mitigate risks? Another question I'd add in this model that you just have a a template by you of these questions. Another one I'm always reflecting on is, am I about to add and speak up and give my opinion or am I going to add my expertise? And most people believe that these are the same in today's marketplace. And as you're probably learning from this podcast is they're not the same. Most opinions have your preference in there, your unconscious bias, uh, what's easiest for you to do. And that's not always the most potential for those we're trying to serve. Expertise is all about focusing on the organizational potential or the potential of if we did this well, what it would help serve our clients or our customers. And expertise starts with the answer, yes, I'm in, and here's the risks we gotta mitigate, and it's how we can move it forward. Opinions, you'll notice your first answer is no and defensive, and here's why we shouldn't. One is on defense, the other one's kind of on offense. And so I'm always noticing my mindset and my input is, am I saying, yes, we can if, or am I saying, no, we can't because? Number one indicator for me, if I'm coming out of opinions instead of expertise, and opinions are going to be add chaos. Expertise adds clarity and value. Opinions will be we can't because dot, dot, dot. Expertise will be we could if dot, dot, dot. And I'm talking about how to mitigate risks. So that is another good mental process I would follow. It's a quick question for self-reflection as I'm about to speak up. 
is this my opinion or expertise? If it feels like opinion, I dive in and find some more information or evidence or data to figure out if it is reality-based. And so I want you guys thinking of that question. Last couple of questions is when it comes to obstacles. So if you are in a meeting and let's say we're not getting anywhere and we're like, God, this is just seems like an insurmountable obstacle. That means we need to look at our resiliency muscle. And in that meeting, we might have limited mindset and we're all focused on solving it ourselves and we're being really persistent and we're trying to think through the same thing again and again and again with our same approach. What we probably need to do is think about resilience and it would help in that meeting if everyone understands that the most resilient people have a large network of positive relationships that they've really helped along their careers. So they're connected with them and they help often. And then they have this large network. And the second thing is we ask for help early and often. And so if we quickly in that meeting know we're stuck, but we have a big a connected group that have their own contacts and friends, we could all pop into our Facebook or we could pop into our emails and say, what would you do to solve this challenge? And we throw out the obstacle and we get a crowdsource going where we're not working with 10 people in that meeting. We're now working with hundreds of people from our connections. And we bring in all of those ideas from the world or we Google people within our organization to get some new strategies that might come from different departments, but the same themes ring true to help us overcome the obstacle. And so the question there is, who else could we reach out to for one tip to overcome this obstacle? That moves us from being persistent into resilience, and that would just be a snag we notice and someone calls it out. Guys, let's stop trying to do this ourselves. Let's crowdsource it. Let's take 10 minutes to crowdsource. And I see that as being a perfect template to get more connected in the world and bring in some new ideas. And lastly is when it comes to change. So if one of these meetings is really about a new change that's coming and it's going to adjust our approach or our job a bit, if we start to feel some fear or anxiety, again, the question would be, what am I fearing personally that's keeping me from jumping in and saying yes to where we're going? If I notice that fear, I want to play with that as I'm reflecting. What am I fearing personally? Again, it's probably going to be a story about what could happen in the future. We can't know it to be true. So we would then go into write out that story and question whether all of it's true. Can I know for sure how this is going to play out? Can I know for sure this is going to be like the last change that didn't go well? What do I know for sure? We're asked to do this new process. Given I'm clear, what's the next thing I can do to add value? Start planning my part in the process. And with that, what am I fearing? If I process through that and I get to the facts and it, when I look at the facts, it's not all that stressful. Another great question that would be in this process, and we could pick a series of these, would be what do I need to change in my willingness, my skill set, or my approach to be more successful given where we're going? and make columns for how's my willingness, am I bought in? How's my skill set, have I not modernized my skill set? And how's my approach, am I using a less than modern approach given where we're going? And all of these, as you guys can tell, don't take any responsibility of others to give me that power. These are all questions that ignite the power within me through self-reflection to help add 
input and clarity to these meetings and help ease some of my own tension. And so to sum this up, I wanted to give those questions as a takeaway for you to start playing with. I've been playing with two main ones. Am I adding my opinion or expertise? And oh, what's my role? I'm really trying to always find my role so I am quickly aligned to the organization. I encourage you guys to pick a couple and experiment with those and see if as doing this personal reflection, it helps add better input from you in a meeting and add clarity because that'll in the end show that you're adding more value. But going bigger level here, I hope this has got you guys thinking. I am fascinated with this metaphor of what processes we quickly align to that all of a sudden everyone follows in the fear that it is an emergency and someone in that situation could be injured or hurt. So we, we follow quickly to this process. Where can we take that same thinking, general idea, and see if, given the research, we know it leads to happiness and success, why would we not be able to quickly align around these good mental processes that we know streamline and lead to more productive dialogue in conversations or meetings? Same model, but bring it into a workplace. And I want to see if that raises the dialogue of our meetings, keeps us engaged and self-reflecting, and moving beyond our egos, which cause the most amount of drama, and keep us always interested. It keeps you in a constant like meditation of being able to re-engage in any meeting, no matter how chaotic or off track it seems. You can step up and be the informal leader that gets it back clear. And I find this so exciting as I've just started to process through this. And so guys, thank you so much for really sticking in there for this. If you listen to it all the way to the end, please give me your insights, your dialogues, what tripped you up, what you think might not work, or where you think this could have some legs. I'm really interested to hear your dialogue and feedback on Instagram, uh, Twitter, at Alex M. Dorr, and I can't wait to hear a direct message or send me a comment. Thank you guys so much for always being some of the coolest listeners and the coolest thinkers out there. I know you guys also believe that there are like two workplaces going on at all times while we're at work. It's like the one that's drama free and the one that is full of our stories, chaos and drama. And they're always available at all times. We just have to pop into the clear one through self-reflection and reality-based tools. I hope I'm helping you guys bridge that gap and I'm playing with it myself. And by the way, I'm screwing it up, but only daily, but trying to be a thoughtful voice out there for this drama-free experience. Leave a review if you like this. iTunes is the best. If, if you really are enjoying this, share it with others and give that five-star review. It helps people discover it. And let me know some of your favorite insights that you've had from it or what you're, you're loving about the podcast. Please share this episode with anybody you think this would get their minds stirring and have a conversation about it. Could you do this in a workplace? We're not teaching people what to think. That's like controlling. It is, it is really focusing on how people think. It's like following fundamentals that people could follow because as we reduce the drama, it opens up our best parts of our minds, but we have to have this framework or fundamentals to get to that part of our brains. So this isn't about brainwashing, I wanted to finish up with, about teaching people or telling people what to think. It's giving people a proven way in which how to think that cleans up the drama and the stories and the fears 
to then be their authentic self and give um, clean input. And it would lead to our most authentic self. And so I wanted to clarify that at the end here. So share that with this podcast with anyone that you think could open up a cool conversation with and start trying out at the very least one or two of these questions for self-reflection as you're sitting in your meetings or conversations. It's been a fascinating experience for me. Love you guys. As always, I'm so appreciative for your ear and being avid listeners. You guys know the deal. Let's keep ditching the drama and I'll see you next time. Let it be, let it be.